Welcome to the Crosslands Church Podcast, our mission to help you experience the life with God you've been missing. And now, a message for you. Today we're going to be starting a series from the book of Ephesians, and it's called Living, as you just saw on the screen. And the title of today's message is Living Chosen. If you have any questions, you can feel free to put it in the YouTube chat, and it'll be forwarded to me. Uh, Today we're going to start out by looking at Ephesians as a whole and laying some foundational material, and then we'll start talking about the first point we want to make in the series. I'm going to unload quite a bit of material today, so if you want to grab a pen and some paper or a device and you want to take notes, feel free to do that. So we're going to get right to it. Ephesians was written by Paul, who wrote close to half of the books in the New Testament. And there were some who questioned whether Paul actually did write Ephesians. And one of the main reasons they question it is that Ephesians doesn't have the same amount of uh, all the personal greetings that Paul has in his other letters. And then some others say that his vocabulary and the style and the form that he used is it's sort of similar to Paul, but we're not sure if it's quite Paul. So they say, oh, maybe it's a disciple of Paul who wrote Ephesians. But most scholars would uh, agree that Paul wrote the book of Ephesians. And and some call it a circular letter. And And that meant that it was distributed not only to the Ephesian church, but also to some other churches around it. So it was a benefit uh, for many churches, not just Ephesians. It was probably attributed to Ephesians because they were likely the largest center at the time. Uh, The book was likely written around the same time as Colossians, and uh, that was in 60 AD, and while Paul was in prison in Rome. And actually, some say he wrote Colossians, and while he was waiting for it to be picked up and brought to Colossians, he decided he was going to write Ephesians and also Philemon. So it's like three books all at once ready to be shipped off to where they needed to go. And so I'm thinking, like, okay, I'm just waiting around here, uh, waiting for this book to be picked up. So you know what? I think I'm just going to. I think I'm just going to write another book. Why not? Or you know what? I'm just waiting here. Why don't I just take apart an engine and put it back together again? And um, however all this came about, uh, I, I see that um, Ephesians is giving us some insight into what it is that the way that God wants us as Christ followers to to live well in the world that we live in. In most of Paul's letters, he had a specific purpose in writing, and usually he wrote a letter because there was some disagreement or people were led to believe some doctrine that wasn't exactly what it was that God was telling his people. And Paul wrote to correct the problem. Well, Ephesians, there didn't seem to be a specific problem, but um, instead Paul gives his big picture thoughts about God in the world and in our individual lives as well. So as we look at this book, we realize that the letter gets at the core of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And in light of that, it shows us how we should live well. Uh, The first half of the book, it gives us a whole bunch of theological and doctrinal truths. And uh, it explains to us that as followers of Christ, we are living together in a different context than before we came to know Christ. So as Christ followers living in this new reality, so to speak, There are some areas which God gives us clear instruction on how to live and how to overcome evil in the world around us. So the last half is, um, the first half is a little more theological and doctrinal. The last half is a little more practical. So what did Ephesus look like back in AD 60? Well, we know it was made up of Jews and Gentiles. 
And we do know from Acts 19 that uh, Ephesus was the official guardian of the temple of the Greek uh, goddess Artemis. And this temple was known as one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. Uh, there was an uproar in Ephesus started by a business owner named Demetrius, who was seeing that his business of manufacturing silver shrines was deteriorating because Paul and others were coming and proclaiming Jesus, and people were turning to Christ, and all of a sudden they didn't need these silver shrines and idols anymore. So these business owners were upset by that, and they were trying to push back on Paul and, and, and the disciples of Christ and, and say, no, this can't be. We need our business and so there was an uproar and a riot that was happening, and um, the mayor of Ephesus actually ended up stepping in to disband the riot, and he cited the fact that there was no evidence to support the claims. So it seems that there was somewhat of a fair judicial process in place, and it seemed like Christians were able to benefit from that. Uh, Ephesus was the third largest city in the Roman Empire, and it was located on the southwestern corner of modern-day Turkey. It was a huge uh, transportation hub and uh, just kind of a busy city. And that means that there's a variety of people and ideas and cultures and languages happening there. And um, I guess I kind of think of like Toronto or Vancouver where you know, people are coming in and out and, and the city itself kind of functions to meet the needs of all the various people that are in the city at the time. Throughout this series, we're going to go through Ephesians, and we'll look at things like how humanity has been chosen to be adopted by God, uh, how we will live well in community with different kinds of people, how we live ourselves within this community, how we live in relationships with those who are our close contacts, and how we live when there are spiritual conflicts all around us. I'm going to use some words like new humanity, God's family, the church, the community of Christ followers, God's community, all of those I'm kind of referring to the idea that when we come to Christ, we, we step from our old life where evil and sin controls us and we step towards God into this new reality of living where Christ is at the center and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. So this is not a life where we live separately from the rest of the society or anything like that. It's nothing like a commune or a secret society. It's, uh, it's just that us as Christ followers, are, we were different when we come to know Christ. And there's something about the inside of us. Uh, and then as we join together in community as Christ followers, um, it's a, a new humanity somewhat. So let me explain it maybe this way, that we're here in Newmarket, and the people we know who are Christ followers that live near us, we, we know them and we probably interact with them. Uh, but then we look on social media and we hear of something that Christ followers are doing maybe in India or Africa somewhere. And even though we don't personally know them and they don't personally know us, we have this commonality and we have this common bond because of Christ. And so um, there's that bond between us. And so as we look at Ephesians, we want to keep this concept of a collector, larger body of Christ followers in mind. So we're going to look at the first chapter of Ephesians, and um, we're going to look at verses 3 to 14 today. And in the original Greek language, this, uh, these verses were actually written as one long run-on sentence. Uh, I'm not going to read it all today. I think that would be quite a mouthful to do that. But we're going to pick a few verses here and there that will give us the idea of what it's saying to us. Have you ever been chosen to do something? And, and how did that make you feel? 
Uh, I'm thinking back to being a kid and the whole class is lined up and there's two team captains and, and you're, they're choosing who their team is going to be. And choosing people in that way is often based on ability or who was the favorite in the class. You know what, I'm so thankful that in God's kingdom there are no favorites. And uh, aren't you thankful for that? Um, he chose all of us to be part of his team as followers of Christ. And another example where we see choice is on the TV show, The Voice. And uh, I don't know if any of you watched The Voice. I started watching it at the beginning of the pandemic, which was like, I don't know, in season 18 or something. So it had been on quite a few years before I picked it up. Uh, so basically the show is a singing competition where a bunch of really good singers come together and they want to get better and they want to um, let their career take off. And so they come before these four judges and the four judges, um, uh, they're actually turned backwards. They can't see the person who's singing. And so as their chairs are turned backwards, all they can base their decision on is the person's voice. So they can't see the, if the person has charisma on the stage, if they're um, showing good facial expression, they can't see any of that. And so as they're listening, they determine whether or not this person's voice is something that I can work with and something that I can coach to be even better. And so if they think that they can, then they press the button and their chair turns around so that they can see the person. And of course, as, they, as the chair turns around, then there's a banner that goes along on the floor that says, I want you. Sometimes all four judges say, I want you to the person. And, they, um, and then they decide, the, the person singing has to decide then which coach they want to coach them. In this example as well, it's about what is known about the person that kind of helps make the decision and makes the choice. Well, the choice that we're talking about today in Ephesians 1 is so much more than that. So let's take a look. Ephesians 1, verses 4 and 5. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. In order to understand God's choosing of us, we need to go back to the beginning. And before we were born, God had a plan for our lives, and that plan means being part of his family. I'm going to explain this because maybe there's somebody watching today, and this is all new for you. Maybe you have no idea what God's plan in the world is and why we're here and anything like that. So I'm just briefly going to talk about that. So back in Genesis, there's a Garden of Eden where everything was perfect, and God created man and woman, Adam and Eve, and he told them that they could eat from any tree in the garden except one. And that tree was uh, the knowledge, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so um, he told them that if they ate from that tree, that they would die. And then along came a serpent who represents Satan or evil. And the serpent convinced them that they wouldn't die. But what God didn't want them to know, he said, was that they would be like God, knowing good and evil, if they ate from that tree. So Adam and Eve gave into that temptation to be like God, and they ate from the tree. And so, um, so as they ate from the tree, they disobeyed God and what he asked of them, and the result was spiritual death, which is separation from God. So all along, God had this plan for humanity to be in relationship, and just because sin came in and severed that relationship, it doesn't mean that God gave up on his plan. 
Instead, God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross and rise again, and he did so to, to provide a way for us, once and for all, for this relationship between God and humanity to be restored. So in order for us to be part of this plan, we commit to following Jesus, and we accept the rescue plan that God decided for us. And it means that we're saying we no longer want to live for ourselves, but we want to change the way we're living and commit to living for God. We want to believe in him and believe that he has a plan for our lives that's far better than anything that we could ever plan for ourselves. So from the beginning, this was God's plan for us. He chose us to be part of his plan, be part of his family, because he loves us. And we talked earlier about being chosen for a team. The letdown is when you really want to be chosen for a particular team, but the team captain overlooks you and chooses somebody else. In the kingdom of God, there are no letdowns. He doesn't overlook any of us. We are all chosen by him. In all of the examples we've looked at of choosing something, most often the choice is between people based on their status in life, their education, their ability to do something, or some other means. But I'm so grateful that God doesn't base his choice on any of those things. He chose us, period. And there's some, as we look through these verses, there's some words that we need to take a look at from, the, from what we just read. One of the words is chosen. And uh, the Greek word for chosen here in verse 4 is from the root word, eglekomai, which means to pick out or select. And in the Old Testament, it would have been used in Deuteronomy talking about God choosing Israel as uh, a nation for that purpose. And so this idea of being chosen uh, would have already been understood in the context of a body of people and not just only an individual. So it says chosen in Christ, and this means that without Christ, we cannot be chosen. And just as we read in the New Living Translation, it says God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself in Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Um, the, the, new living, uh, the New International Version translates verse 5 as, he predestined us to be adopted to sonship through Jesus Christ. And some of us, from if we've been used to some different translations, that, that predestined word would be quite familiar to us. And it's a word that literally reads, after predestining us, God decided in advance. He marked it out beforehand. He decided it ahead of time that we would be adopted. And this word predestined has caused some controversy, even in the Protestant world, because some say that it means God chooses some people and he doesn't choose other people, and, or they haven't been elected or chosen to be part of God's family. But we believe, and, and as we look at the book of Ephesians as a whole, and we see that, God is that Paul is indicating to us that the choice that God makes is available to all who decide to follow Christ. So God chose us before time began. And I, when, I, when I hear that, I think of, the, of Jeremiah and how God called him in, in Jeremiah 1 and 5. And he says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. And so before we were ever conceived, before the world began, God knew us. He chose us. And this is available for all of us. The next part is predestined to be adopted. So we want to look at this word adopted. When someone is adopted, they become part of a new family. 
And when we think of adoption today, the person who was born into a family, for whatever reason, that family couldn't really um, provide essential care for them. So they were um, adopted into another family who chose to have them as part of their family. Uh, adoption was quite common in the Greco-Roman culture. Family legacy was important, and the upper class needed a way to pass on their inheritance to uh, somebody to pass on their inheritance to when there was no male heir born into the family. So uh, adoptees were given the full status of family and became heirs of the family's estate. According to the Adoption Council of Ontario, adoptive parents have the same rights and responsibilities as biological parents. And adopted children have all of the emotional, social, legal, and kinship benefits of biological children. So when it says that God decided to adopt us, he's providing all the rights and privileges that go along with being in his family and in his community. Do you know what else? The second part of verse 5 tells us this is what God wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. You give God great pleasure. He wanted to adopt you. He didn't have to because of some cosmic pressure. He wanted to because he loves us and he chose us. So what does this mean, being chosen, and for humanity to be adopted into God's family? Well, the first thing is we are holy and blameless in his sight. The Greek word for holy is agios, which means separate, separate from common condition and use. It implies separated to God for his purposes. And then the word blameless is amamos, which conveys the sense of sound, whole, without defects, innocent, and pure. So God determined in choosing the church to establish a spotless people who would accomplish his purposes. Holiness, when we hear that word, sometimes it has negative connotations just because of some things that we've been told in the past, maybe. And we tend to think that we have to act a certain way and we focus on the outward and what other people might think. But when God looks at it, he looks at us from the inside and he sees the love that we have for him and for other people. So it's not that God chose us because we were holy and blameless to begin with, but as we live in Christ, we become holy and blameless the more we become like him. And so as a result of choosing us in Christ, we become set apart. We grow in our character and we become more like him. Isn't that amazing? Who else would choose us with no strings attached, without any preconceived assumptions or conditions? So God didn't choose us to, uh, because we were holy to begin with, but as a result of him choosing us in Christ, we become holy and blameless in his sight. And as a result of being chosen, verse 7 tells us, and this is the second point, we are forgiven because of his grace and kindness. Grace is unmerited favor. It's not something that we receive because of what we've done, but because God desires that we receive it. And one of the books I was re reading as I was uh, studying this was Ephesians, uh, on Ephesians. It's called A New Humanity, and it's by Luch Lombardi, who's a professor at Master's College and Seminary. And he said that the idea of being forgiven here is that all the wrong paths that humanity has taken in light of being misled by evil are canceled through the life and sacrifice of Jesus. So in understanding forgiveness, it means that whatever evil is present or is trying to be present in the world, it was ended. It's dismissed. It's canceled because of the life, the death and the life of Christ. And so sin no longer has any hold on us. This word cancelled has risen in popularity lately, and as I read uh, Lucha's description of, of forgiveness, 
I'm like, canceled. Well, you know what? Christ is already in, in our society today. Being canceled means that, you know, somebody's probably tweeted something and now all of a sudden they're canceled. Their career is over because of uh, something that it's probably something political that they've said, um, something that's society, in society. It's really a charged and, and big event right now. And so they've been, we've, somebody's decided we're just going to cancel them. Well, because of what Jesus has done in his grace and kindness, evil and sin, it's already canceled. Jesus already canceled it. And we're forgiven, we're delivered, evil is dismissed. So let's invoke cancel culture right here and declare that because Jesus has already canceled sin and death and evil, it has no place among humanity. We are done with it. Done. And it's all possible because of the kindness and grace of Christ. The third thing is that we receive an inheritance from God. In verse 11, we get this word chosen pop up again, but this time it's a different word that's used. And in Ephesians 1 and verse 11, it says, Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. This word chosen is a word called kaleru, and it means to obtain a portion or to receive a share. We're chosen to receive an inheritance or to receive a share. Oftentimes people will buy shares in a company and, and maybe one that's doing really well, and they decide to leave this in their will for their children uh, as an inheritance for them. Mom, did you hear that? And because of Christ and his choosing of us, we do not only live today, but we have a future. And in that future, we have an inheritance, which is to live free from evil with purpose and identity for eternity. Because we're chosen, number four, we receive the Holy Spirit as our guarantee. We've talked about God, the Father's part, and Christ's part in choosing us. Now, let's talk about the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians, we see it talked about the triune God, the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, providing an example for us of how to live in community. And God the Father chose us before time began to be part of his family, and none of this is possible without Jesus, his Son. And so verses uh, 13 and 14 say, And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised, and he has purchased, to be, purchased us to be his own people. Before this, verse 12, it's talking to the Jews, and then at the beginning of verse 13, it talks, uh, brings in the Gentiles. So this is for all of us. It's for the Jews and the non-Jews alike. So when we decide to become followers of Christ, the Holy Spirit becomes part of our lives. Here it says he is the seal or the guarantee that we are chosen, that we are in Christ. And it's the Spirit who is with us now who shows humanity what it is to be in relationship. And this is guaranteed or sealed. Uh, a seal makes something authentic, and in those days it indicated ownership. And we hear of cattle farmers who put a seal on the ear of their cattle to indicate that this is owned by that farmer. I also think of when I worked at Master's College and Seminary, we were in the registrar's office, and I was asked for an official transcript. And um, 
what, if I had printed off a person's transcript, a record of their grades, on a plain piece of paper, it would have meant nothing to the person who was receiving it. But because I printed it on uh, paper, it was a special paper with a logo of the college, and then afterwards the registrar would sign his name, and uh, then we would put a seal on it, uh, the seal of the college. And that was embossed the paper with that seal. And that was something that guaranteed that this was owned by the college and it's a true copy, it's authentic. And so the Holy Spirit guarantees that not only now, but in the future, we have an inheritance as being adopted by God. We are his own. So what does it mean to be chosen? Well, what we've said so far is we are holy and blameless. We are forgiven because of his kindness and grace. We receive an inheritance from God. We receive the Holy Spirit as our guarantee. And the fifth thing is we praise and glorify him. So because we're chosen by God, we're predestined to be adopted by him because we have experienced his grace and the canceling of our sin and evil in the world. Because we have the guarantee of an inheritance sealed by the Holy Spirit, we praise and we glorify him. Verse 14 says, he did this so that we would praise and glorify him. That's what it's all about. And I think of, when I think of those words, I think of Revelation 4, where the living creatures and the elders are giving glory and honor to God, and they repeat it over and over again. They say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and who is and who is still to come. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. So today we say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God, we want to thank you that you've chosen us. Thank you that you've adopted us to be part of your family, and that we have an inheritance in heaven awaiting us. So we praise you today, and we thank you. As I've been talking today, maybe you've been trying to determine whether you're chosen by God or not. And the answer is yes. You were chosen by God. He decided ahead of time that all of us would be adopted into his family. But in reality, you need to be an active participant. And here at Crosslands Church, we say that's as easy as ABC. And A is, uh, the first thing is to admit that you're not following this way of life that the book of Ephesians is talking about. And we'll hear more about that over the next coming weeks. And maybe you're still trying to figure all this out and where you fit in. So B is believe that you are chosen. Believe that God wants you to fully participate in his community of Christ followers and enjoy this new life that he wants to offer you. And C, commit. This means that there's an action on your part to say yes. To say yes to God's rescue plan. And we've talked about this plan of rescue earlier and, and how it's for all of us. And that includes you today. God is inviting you to commit to saying, I want to accept my inheritance as an adopted son or daughter of God. So I'm going to pray for you today. And if you have decided to follow Jesus, I ask that you would pray along with me. God, thank you for choosing me to be part of your family. I come to you undeserving of your grace, but you accept me anyways. In fact, you decided ahead of time that there is a place for me in your family. Today, I want to accept your rescue plan. I want to be included in the inheritance that you have for me. Please forgive me. Please cancel the sin and evil in my life. And from, day, from today onwards, I have decided to live for you. Because of all you have done, I thank you. Amen. 
If you've decided that you want to follow Christ today, you can let us know. We would love to know, and we'd like to help you with some first steps on your, or some next steps on your spiritual journey. And you can do that by going to crosslands.live and click on Follow Jesus. We'd be happy to talk to you about that. For all of us today, we're chosen by God in Christ to be adopted into his family. Ephesians 2 and verse 10 tells us, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. There's many instances in Ephesians where it talks about being in Christ and and being joined with him. And as a result of this, we want to spend time with God, not just in reading the Bible and talking to God, but taking that time to be with him and to hear what he's saying to us as well. In Ephesians, it's about abiding in Christ and doing so in the context of God's community. And as a society that's so individualistic, and one where we're told that social media and other avenues uh, that we need to look out for ourselves because nobody else will. And we need to speak out what's best for me because, and, and sometimes we even do that at the detriment of other people. But being in Christ is collective. It's throughout this series that we're going to see how this is lived out in different relationships that we have. And maybe you're listening and you're wondering, why would God even choose me? Maybe you don't understand why he'd want to be close to you. And maybe you've had people tear you down in the past, and you've had people make fun of you because of of some things in your life. And um, I, maybe you question the way that God created you. I was listening to a sermon a few weeks ago, and and the pastor said that, that God looks at those weird and quirky things about us, and those are the things that he can use in our lives, because those are the things about us that's like no one else. Those are the things that are unique to us. So I want you to remember that. Remember that you are chosen and you are loved by God. He made all of us for a specific purpose. He has a plan for all of our lives to praise and glorify him and to become more like him and to be used for his kingdom purposes. And he chose all of us to be part of his family. No one is excluded in that. So today let's praise and glorify Christ because of what he's done in our lives. Before you go on with your day, why don't you just pause and thank God for all that he's done in your life. Just, uh, and maybe you wanna tell that to somebody else. Call somebody else up, text somebody, message them and let them know. God has chosen us. This is something to be excited about. And today and for eternity, I can experience life in God's family because he has chosen us. So God, we wanna thank you today. We wanna thank you for choosing us to be part of your family. Thank you for choosing us before time began, Lord. And thank you today, Lord, we can have this inheritance, Lord, and this belonging in your family, O God. So Lord, I pray that you would be with us this week, that you would strengthen us and that you would walk before us. And that, God, you would, um, we give you all the glory today, Lord, and we give you all the praise. For this is what you desire, and God, we worship you and we praise your name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So moms, have a great Mother's Day. And everyone, we'll see you next week. God bless. You've been listening to the Crosslands Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or the Google Play Store so that it comes straight to your device. And to find out more about Crosslands Church, you can visit us at crosslands.ca. Join us next week for another message to help you experience the life with God you've been missing.